of time speaking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, some of our Bible studies we've been doing on Wednesday night has been linking us to speaking about the Holy Spirit. I prepped this message. Actually, God gave it to me last Sunday when I, <laughs> when I was getting my, re- my re- message ready for last Sunday. And I wasn't even sure I was going to preach today. So I thought, well, I'll, and then when Josh said, you know, if you're good, and I'm like, already gave me a word, so yeah, I guess so. Let's just roll with it, so we'll just go with it. So uh, with, that, with that in mind, I, that, with this message, and some of you know I, I've, and Larry, I don't know if you guys know this, I'm a poet. Yeah, I know. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. It is hard to believe. Larry knows me too well. But uh, I, actually, I haven't written anything in a while, um, it, for whatever reason, not really sure. But yesterday, I was, had gone over by Glencoe and worked on a, a truck for a guy, and I was coming back in, and I got to thinking, man, I haven't written in a while. And as I'm pulling in my driveway, <laughs> God begins to pour something into me that I had to sit in my truck and write before I even got out of my pickup. So, and it's about today's message. It literally links directly to today's message and actually contains a great deal of the message. It's, I'm going to read it to you. It's called, On That Day. Like the sound of a rushing mighty wind filling the upper room, His Holy Spirit sweeping into every open heart completely to consume. All who were a witness to this outpouring watched in awe as cloven tongues of fire appeared to rest upon them all. Each began to utter in an unknown language. The fire touched each one, speaking in a way that was foreign to their native tongue. Some said they were drunk, uttering nonsense in this emboldened tone. Yet others heard them speaking as if they were their very own. What does all this mean? The question could be heard. These are speaking in such a way that many thought absurd. But one of these who had been touched by these tongues of fire, he began to preach with such boldness only God could inspire. He said, folks, these are not drunk as many of you suppose. It is early yet, so let this sermon speak as the words I compose. This is the very thing prophesied from God's servant Joel. His spirit will be poured out on all flesh, young and old, was foretold. Sons and daughters, they will speak of how things will unfold. Old men and young men alike, the future of his coming will be told. What should you do to adhere to all you have heard and seen? Repent of your sins and turn to Christ, your hearts washed clean. Be baptized into his death and resurrected all things new. With the Holy Spirit, He will pour out on you, so you will be filled too. Then carry this fire into all the ends of this earth, preaching His holy word. He will come again someday, as soon as every ear has heard. This day that came about as the gathered in the upper room is the day of Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit's hearts consumed. The coming of the Holy Spirit. We're going to go to Acts chapter 2. I love this passage of scripture. This excites me. I like reading out the Amplified. They've, they've actually got it now where it's pretty close to the same version I'm using. So. But Acts chapter 2, and it's talking about the coming, this day of Pentecost. Starting with verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, I love this, and suddenly a sound come from heaven like a rushing violent wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues as resembling fire, which were being dis- distributed among them, and they rested on each one as each person received the Holy Spirit. 
And they were all filled, that is, diffused throughout their whole being with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues in different languages, and the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out clearly and appropriately. Starting with verse 5, it says, Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout and God-fearing, men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound was heard, a crowd gathered, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing those in the upper room speaking in his own language or dialect. They were completely astonished, saying, Look, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that they each hears our own language or our native dialect? Verse 9 describes all these countries that are being represented here, and there's a pile of them. I can't pronounce half of them, so I'm going to leave it out. (laughs) But in verse 12 it says, And they were beside themselves with amazement and were greatly perplexed, saying to one another, What could this mean? But others were laughing and joking and ridiculing them, saying, They're full of sweet wine. They're just drunk. Man, I love this. And on the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly, and suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. There's been a sound from heaven with the Spirit ever since. When the Holy Spirit begins to move, there's still a wind. There's still a sound. The sound of this rushing mighty wind that fills the house. It fills our house. When you get into the God's spirit and you get to allow him to flow through you, you begin to hear this wind and this movement shifting you. Acts 1, chapter 2, verse 1 and 4 says, As a rushing mighty wind, it filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I've often tried to picture this, this sudden feeling of unexpected anxiety and excitement. Obviously, throughout that, that area, I mean, it was open windows, right? So this all began to boil out of this upper room, and all these people began to hear it, and a crowd began to gather. I mean, you got to imagine that, you know, people around, they were opening windows and doors and stepping out on the street and, and wonder, you know, like, what, what in the world is going on? And then you have, you have this, this conglomeration of all these other foreigners, that are there and they're beginning to hear their own language and, and, and it's being spoken in such a way that they're hearing the word of God in their own tongue. Rhonda, my wife, tells a story about a church that the Holy Spirit had, had given a message in tongues and no one moved and pretty soon this woman jumped up and ran to the altar. The ministerial staff met her at the altar and they began to pray with her, and they asked her kind of later what had happened in that process. What, what caused her to come running to the altar? I mean, it had been a message in tongues. She was a foreigner. God spoke to her in her own language, saying, it's your time to repent. And she came running to the altar. That, that's how God works in us. It's our time. I love verse 12. What could this mean? Now, when, it, when all this was going on, this multitude came together, and, and they're confounded, they're confused, they're bewildered. Maybe just as some of us have been at times when we've seen the move of the Holy Spirit. Because the, every man heard them speak in their own language. Listen, the Holy Spirit is falling in our midst. We're not going to need big box suppers. We're not going to need basketball hoops. 
We're not going to need to advertise, hey, we're feeding pizza tonight. Because when the Holy Spirit begins to have His way in a body, it's going to advertise itself. I was a part of a church in Farmington, New Mexico, and I had left here, left Oklahoma in a revival movement during the big revival sweep that was across this nation. And I land in Farmington, New Mexico, and within just a few short weeks of me being there, we had kicked every wall we could kick out out. We had broke out upper, upper classrooms and turned it into a balcony. We had 400 people plus, standing room only. And here's what, here's what occurred to me. <laughs> Around that town of Farmington, New Mexico, which is San Juan County, it's right up in the corner, Four Corners area, largest county in New Mexico, and rumors on the street, word on the street was, oh, that's World Harvest Center. They got something going on. What was going on? Revival. We didn't have any banners. We didn't have any advertisement. We weren't doing extra services. But the Spirit of God was flowing out of that place. And it was pouring out in such a way that others were beginning to take notice. And they began to come. To the point where we, we were out of capacity. We were, we were just as astounded watching God move. Watching His Spirit flow. These guys were amazed and they marveled, but they were in doubt. Some actually doubted what was being said. It's like, these boys done been in a bottle. They're already drunk. What does this mean? Mockers declared that they're, they're in the new wine. What an uproar, but yet what excitement. See, people who dislike confusion and demand things to be done decently and in order, they wouldn't have been able to handle this well. I've never been one to be decent and in order with most of my life. I, I, you know, I share a lot that we, we, I share this often that, you know, when I pray over people, we go to these veterans events and things, and, and I literally tell these guys, man, I pray you're miserable till you give your life to the Lord. I pray he just messes you up until you surrender. I pray that over everyone I can. Because I, and I prayed this morning, I told my wife on my in here, praying God wrecks this house today. I'm praying God wrecks us today. Because I don't want to leave here the way I came. I don't want to be the same. I want something else to happen. The Holy Spirit, when He endues you with power, He puts a real stand-up for Jesus' Spirit in you. Look at Paul or Peter. Peter in this message, he's, I mean, we know Peter, right? Peter's a knucklehead. I mean, I can relate well with Peter. You know, he's always questioning things, and, and he's always in a mess. He's found himself in a mess multiple times. But now look at him. In this passage of Scripture, but Peter, a new Peter, no longer afraid of the opinions of people, standing up, said to them, well, these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's just the third hour of the day. See, the Holy Spirit endues him with power, and he puts this real stand up for Jesus thing in him, and he'll do it for you. Peter's sermon starting in verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and he addressed them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem. Let this be explained to you. Listen closely and pay attention to what I have to say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose, as you suppose or assume, since it's only the third hour of the day, around 9 a.m. But this is the beginning of what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And that shall be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see divinely prompted visions. And your old men shall dream divinely prompted dreams. 
Even on my bond servants, both men and women, I will in those days pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will bring about wonders in the sky above and signs attesting miracles on the earth below. Blood and fire and smoking vapor. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And it shall be that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, invoking, adoring, and worshiping the Lord Jesus, shall be saved, rescued spiritually. Why is Pentecost important? We know from this name that it occurred 50 days after the Passover. Also known as the Feast of Weeks, which is one of the major annual feasts, Deuteronomy 16.16 explains. This meant that on the day of Pentecost, as we read in Acts 2, there was an international audience gathered in Jerusalem that witnessed the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and allowed Peter's sermon to incite a worldwide harvest for Christianity. The fire is a symbol of God's ability to purify us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Just as burning precious metals refines them, as the impurities can be skimmed from the molten material, we too are cleansed by the blood of Jesus and the action of the Holy Spirit now at work in our life. The Old Testament law was confirmed with fire from heaven on Mount Sinai. And on the New Testament, day of Pentecost, the fire came down, not to a single place, but on the individual believers of Jesus Christ, thus revealing the ministry of the Holy Spirit and a new covenant with all believers, no matter where they were from. It didn't matter their nationality. It didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter their background. It didn't matter what happened yesterday. It didn't matter what happened last week. But today, they were made new. The fire of God burning away the chaff. Acts 2, 14 and 17 says, But this is what the, that was, was spoken by the prophet Joel that shall come to pass in the last days. Says God that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Peter goes on to deliver a very powerful and convincing message to all who had gathered in verse 22 through 36. But we're not going to dig into that. That's, that's, I mean, there's a lot there. I'd, I'd, I'd encourage you to read it. Go in and check it out. Because he speaks volumes of things to these people who are gathered there to listen but picking it up in verse 37, he said, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart with remorse and anxiety. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what are we to do? You ever found yourself in that place where the Word of God has come and the Word of God has spoke out to the, to the nations and then you're found going, God, what am I supposed to do? What, what am I supposed to do? I love that song they played just a while ago about it come running to the altar. Whew. I told Amber, um, Nikki sang that for a, an altar call one time for me. My daughter can belt it out. And man, it was so powerful. Because that's what he's calling us out is to come running to him. To come running to the altar. To come running to the Spirit of God. Because there's nothing else out there that can, can do anything for us. Verse 38 says, And Peter said to them, Repent. Change your old way of thinking. Turn, your sin, turn from your sinful ways. Accept and follow Jesus as the Messiah and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ because of the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and for all who are far away, including the Gentiles, as many as the Lord your God calls to Himself. 
And Peter solemnly testified and continued to admonish and urge them with many more words, saying, Be saved from this crooked and unjust generation. So then those who accepted his message were baptized. And on that day, about 3,000 souls were added to the body of believers. They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instructions of the apostles and to the fellowship, eating meals together and in prayer. Peter preaches this mighty sermon under the power of the Holy Spirit. Among other things, he told his vast audience to do, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, and that they too would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, just as he looked ahead through the coming years and he saw the doubts in some of our minds, Peter declared, this promise is not only for you, but also to your children. And to all that are afar off, that means any of us, anybody, <laughs> even as many as the Lord our God shall call, in verse 39. Now, if God has called you, the promise is for you. I encourage you to seek God's presence and to wait patiently for Him to move. You know, we often seek God's presence. We often cry out, I'm not a very patient person. <laughs> Never have been a good patient. My doctors think so too. I don't like waiting. God, I, I got this issue. I got this problem. I have this need. I need you to fix it now. That's not how he works. Should I quit seeking him because of that? No. No, I should seek him all the more. Crying out to him even more. While, while he can make himself known in this violent wind and this fire from heaven as we see He's also present in that small, still voice that we see in Elijah. <laughs> when he speaks to Elijah in 1 Kings 19. You remember that story? Elijah's hiding. Elijah's just watched the most powerful move of God he's ever seen. And then he goes and hides because he's afraid. And in the process of his hiding, he's hiding in a cave and God calls him out. And, and, and then there's an earthquake and there's a fire and there's a storm but he goes on to say that God wasn't in the earthquake. God wasn't in the fire. God wasn't in the storm. But then I heard a still, small voice. What are you doing here? <laughs> you ever had God ask you that question? What are you doing here? Why are you hiding? Why are you running? I've created you for so much more than that. We must not forget that on this special day, it was preceded by obedience. Jesus told his disciples, go and wait. Because the Comforter's coming. And you need him more than you need me. I thought that was very interesting. We touched a little bit about that last week. That Jesus himself saying that you need the Holy Spirit more than you need me. And you think about this. Jesus' whole ministry, he did all the work. The disciples were just there as an audience. They got to watch it all. They saw it all. They witnessed it all. But Jesus did all the work. He did all the work of the ministry. And that's what he's saying to them is, that's on you. That's on you. You're called to this. So go and wait, and I'm going to send the comforter. And when he comes, <laughs> you are going to do things you've never dreamed. The Holy Spirit is being poured out. It's being poured out here, and it's being poured out now. It's for all who hunger and thirst for God, for all who are desperate for him in a move of his spirit. Are you desperate? 
We have to get to this place. So we can't any longer just rely on the man standing here. Because the man standing here, his job, just like I said last week, his job is to fire us up, to fuel us, to fill us, to give us a fresh oil so that we can go back out there and do the work of the ministry. So I, oh, I won't go there. Never mind. That would have been a free one, Josh, but I'll, I might all leave that one out. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for wisdom. <laughs> Father, help us to never limit your presence by placing our selfish expectation on how you should move in our midst. That, that alone right there is a message worth preaching. How often do we limit God because of our expectation of how we want Him to move? How we limit Him because we want it to be a certain way. I had a man tell me one time, I just need an old-fashioned move of God. Well, how about we get a good move of God? I don't care if it's old-fashioned or new. It doesn't matter to me. I want an outpouring of His Spirit because it's never changed. I don't, I don't believe there is an old-fashioned move of God because God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. All we have to do is seek Him. We need a move of His Spirit and we need it to, to begin right here in our hearts. Let us be aware of Your love and grace and the power You have to work through us. Let us be a witness to Your mercy and the healing power to those in need and a testimony of restoration to those who doubt. Jesus Himself said, <laughs> I just drew a blank there. Never mind. <laughs> We, we defeat our enemy by the blood of the Lamb, right? We, we go against the, the enemy with the blood of the Lamb because it's, it's, it's our surrender to Jesus Christ. But he goes on to say, and by the word of our testimony. It's our story of redemption. It's our story of what he brought us out of. Whew, and mine's a mess. <laughs> and it's probably more than one because he's had to drag me out of stuff more than one time. But he had a plan. Just like he said in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, boy. <laughs> you might not like them all the time, but you're going to do them. Because <laughs> if you don't, you're going to be miserable. Let us witness your mercy and healing power to those in need. And a testimony of restoration to those who doubt. There's a lot of doubters out there today. There's a lot of people who have been fed a lot of things that aren't necessarily the truth. It's our place to speak the truth. It's our place to change this world. We're here to prepare the way of the king. That's our role. We're here to prepare the way through this wilderness. There was a quote from revivalist John Wesley years ago, and it was actually a misquote. I love this. Because <laughs> it's been misquoted for years. I've heard it a lot. It was quoted that John Wesley said, I set myself on fire, and people come to watch me burn. So that's not what John Wesley said, or that's not what he said. <laughs> Somewhere in the 1700s, um, a little bit before my time, John Wesley, this revivalist, was asked, what is your secret? 
Why do so many people come to hear you preach? There were crowds. Thousands of people would come to listen to John Wesley. What was his secret? It wasn't because he set himself on fire. He answered with, I get alone with God in prayer. He sets me on fire. Then people come to watch me burn. It's time to get alone with God. It's time to, to let Him set us on fire that others will come to see what's going on. We want, we want to hear the words, similar words, we've got something going on. What is it that's going on? It needs to be us on fire. It needs to be us burning in the Spirit of God. It needs to be the fire of God consuming us so that it rolls out of this place and begins to consume this community. What happens when you get too close to a fire? <laughs> Listen, I got news for you. You try setting yourself on fire, it ain't going to work out too good. <laughs> I bet that's not going to work out. Our, our way of doing things isn't the way God wants it done. You, you try setting yourself on fire, you're just going to wind up scarred up and burned up. Hair singed off. We need to let God set us on fire. And how do we do that? By getting on our face before Him. By seeking Him. By crying out to Him. By, by crying out for this man of God that's going to take this pulpit. To begin to seek the Lord over His behalf. To begin to seek the Lord over this church as a whole. To begin to seek the Lord over this community. We want to see things happen. We want to see God move. It starts right here. It's not His job. It starts right here. God is calling us out. He is seeking those who are hungry and thirsty, those willing to get out of their comfort zone and be set ablaze for His holy fire. Ever really thought about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30? <laughs> this is fresh. We'll throw this in for free. I added this after the last minute. It starts out with, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. He didn't say, oh, hey, I see you're heavy and you know, weary and heavy laden. I'm going to come hang out with you today. It's not what he said. He said, you come to me. You, you have a burden. You have a struggle. You have a challenge. You have a desire. You come to me. And, and when you do this, look at this. He says that I'll put my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Follow me as my disciple, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. You'll find renewal. You'll be blessed for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But it's up to us. He calls us out. You come to me. And he's calling you out today. You got an issue? You got a struggle? You fighting your way through this thing? Maybe, maybe you need this fire that God talks about. Maybe you need to hear the wind blowing in your spirit. Maybe you need the tongues of fire to touch you. He's saying, come. He's saying, come. Come right now. It's up to you. This is our time. <laughs> you want to find some of that suddenly? God says, I'll move on you suddenly. But you're going to have to open the door. You're going to have to open the door. You're going to have to invite me in. You know, the Revelation says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open that door, I'd come in and dine with him and him with me. Is God knocking on your door today? Is he calling out to you today? 
Just bow your heads with me this morning. Father, sometimes your word is, is strong. Sometimes it's heavy. Sometimes it, it, it causes us maybe to even cringe a little. But God, your word is truth. You have a plan for us. You have a plan for this house. You have a plan for this ministry. And I believe that people are going to begin to talk. People are going to begin to rumble about something's going on at Cimarron Worship Center. And it's an outpouring of your Holy Ghost. It's an outpouring of your Spirit that's not only going to consume this house, it's going to consume this city. God, let it be so today. God, we ask for a fresh oil and a fresh anointing to fall on Pastor Larry and Judy. God, as they take the reins of this, of this house, that God, you lead them the way they are to go. And that God, as, as, as followers, God, as part of this congregation, God, we be quick to carry them, to speak out over them, to pray over them, to lift them up. That God gives us wisdom, discernment, and a desire to get outside the walls of this house and to see the work of your kingdom come. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I just open the altar up to you today. If there's anyone here that God's calling you out today, we want to pray with you. I don't want to leave anybody out. I know this is kind of home folk today. But if God's calling on your heart today, you got, a, you got a burden you're carrying? He said, come to me. All you who are weary, I'll give you rest. You need to find yourself in God's rest today? Make your way down here. Let's pray. If not, I want to encourage you to just spend a moment in the presence of the Lord and saying, God, I'm asking for this fire to fall on me. I'm asking for this wind to blow through me. God, come like a rushing mighty wind in my spirit, in my house, and set me a fire for you. We thank you for it. Lord, let your word stand strong. Let it move us to where we need to be in you, to be used by you according to your plan. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.